one pressure on referee Morello. Refereeing the biggest match in history right here. Look at the stare of the champion against the challenger. The irresistible force meeting the immovable object. Look at the size of the giant. Dove, and I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend, tag team champion of the world, Mr. Jose Ruiz. Right. What's going on, man? Dare me, Dove. What's up, my brother? How you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great, and I, I'm I'm ready to just be honest and get right into it. You know, and history. <laughs> I know you are the history of bigger than the game. We've done one wrestling episode that was two years ago. We did Hell on a Hell, Hell in a Cell '98. It's a great episode. Great one. Great episode. Check the archives. Check them. But it's also, it's it's a great wrestling one to start off with. And we're both wrestling fans and we've wanted to do more, you know, throw that into more wrestling content. And back in March, there was a big anniversary, but we were going through a change of, yeah. you know, going from doing the show in the studio to going back to being remote. And starting the YouTube channel. So we didn't get a chance to kind of celebrate it in March, but we wanted to to still talk about it because it's been it's a big event in both of our lives as wrestling fans, Jose. And oh yeah. I think we both were excited to really get break this uh event down. Yeah, one hundred percent. And you know, we've we've referenced wrestling matches, you know, throughout you know, all these episodes that we've done there, me. And, you know, we talked about our love for wrestling. I know you talked about it. I know I've talked about it for sure. You know, um, and honestly, like, there's been some huge matches, some huge events in, in wrestling. The Hell in a Cell was, like, one of those all-time iconic moments that, <clears throat> like, you know where you're at. You know who you're watching it with. But this next one, where we're doing, it's it's another one. You know what I mean? And... You know, we had these huge Super Bowls, obviously, like those events. We had these huge WrestleManias now, you know, but it all started with with this event here. And what we're talking about is, is WrestleMania three. Um, and we're talking the main event, right? Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant and and how big of a match that was, but how big of a event that WrestleMania was. And, you know, we're going to get into what it meant to wrestling as a whole, you know, what it meant to us as wrestling fans. But, you know, we figured, and again, this is something we want to do more often, right? Like we've been talking about it off the air, Jeremy, and, you know, talking about we're going to do more wrestling as the year goes out. But to kick that off, I, I couldn't think of a better way to do it. And I know you've been wanting to do it for a while, right. Jeremy. So. Well, I, I, I look at it and, you know, so March 29th, 87th would have been the 35th anniversary of WrestleMania three Hogan versus Andre. And, you know, 
what a lot of people call the pinnacle of the 80s boom. But you look yep. at what's happened over this past summer as well, and they all kind of go together, I feel, in, in my opinion, with Vince McMahon having to retire due to, you know, scandal. And, yeah. you know, I started thinking about his legacy. I thought a lot of people have because a lot of people are still wondering, you know, because wrestling's big with Swerve. So is this a retirement for the future? Is there a chance he's coming back? Is he still running things, but just not on paper? There's been a lot of speculation, but, you know, I started thinking about just where, you know, someone who's so iconic, someone who's probably, you know, the most, what someone say the most important figure in professional wrestling history. And you start to think about, you know, he takes over the WWF at the time in 1982, 40 years ago, when it's still regional territories. And, you know, he had, you know, quote unquote, New York, which territories are kind of back, were identified by their main city, but he had the Northeast. But, you know, he really, with the advent of cable television, made it his goal to kind of take it national and global than just regional. And you start to kind of look at it. Like I looked at WrestleMania three as really the story of three men of Vince of Hulk Hogan and of Andre the giant and just where that all kind of merges and how they all needed each other to really, you know, behind the scenes and on camera to tell this story and take the wrestling industry to that next level. Right. And you know, what, what Vince McMahon did, you know, he did something that nobody obviously ever did, ever tried, um, was to go national with this stuff. And he he took over right on time. And as soon as he took over, he knew exactly what he wanted to do. And it was to try to get, you know, go national and get national exposure and go against all these other territories, right? Like he, you mentioned he had like the Northeast, right? He had all of like New York, he had Philly, he had, you know, DC, Virginia, like he had all those states. And obviously we know, you know, there's some of the biggest cities in, in the country, you know, and I know, and I know in Philadelphia wrestling is huge. Um, but yeah, like he had a vision, right. And he, you know, he, he made that vision come true, you know, and he had the, one of the biggest reasons why he was able to do that was Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan. And, you know, those were names that, Man, like we talk about Jordan, we talk about Muhammad Ali, we talk about, you know, LeBron James. Like we talk about all these, like there are stars and then there's like another level to that. And, you know, talk about mega stars, whatever, like global stars. For me, the first one that I can remember ever was Andre the Giant. You know what I mean? Like before anyone else, like I, like I knew who Andre the Giant was. My mom knew who Andre the Giant was. My dad knew, like. You know that that's a that's a different level of stardom, and you know Vince definitely rode Andre's back and, and to make WWF at the time the World Wrestling Federation into what it you know what it what it is today. Yeah, and you look at it, Andre the Giant in a in where wrestling and throughout all even let's go into the seventies when Andre's hitting his mark, it's regional. So you're just sticking right. just to a regional, you know your local stuff. So if you're in New York or Boston or Philly, you're getting that Northeast. But if you're in the South, you're not seeing the Northeast stuff. If you're in the Midwest or the West coast, you don't see what's going on there. Andre was an attraction, which is a difference where, you know, in these other territories, you had your champion, 
and they were the main, you know, workhorse who would travel around the territory region and, you know, defend that title. Andre wasn't just a stay in Northeast. He went around the country and around the globe. And he was that person who you could say was iconic in every territory, every spot he went to around the world knew when Andre came in, you were selling out and you were getting all kinds of attention. So it was huge to kind of have, you know, Andre bridge this gap with, you know, wrestling going big and cable television. And you see around 84, that's when Hulkamania begins, you know, because early 84, Hogan defeats the Iron Sheik to get the belt. Hulkamania starts. You also look at uh, Dick Ebersol partnering with Vince McMahon in 85 to start Saturday night's main event. Which for people who don't know that used to, you know, when Saturday Night Live on NBC was like off, it wasn't a new episode. Dick Ebersol and Vince McMahon partnered and it would be Saturday night's main event. And that was a lot of times where, you know, on those cable shows, Hulk Hogan and the biggest stars didn't really wrestle. You got some of those like squash matches or those other guys. But on Saturday night main event, you know, you bring in Dick Ebersol, NBC has all the camera stuff and how good it looks. And that's where you get those storylines and you would see a Hogan or a Macho Man Randy Savage kind of, you know, on that show. So wrestling is making its way. You know, 85 also is the first WrestleMania in Madison Square Garden. So that's where it started. But, Jose, I want to ask you, not the best, but with, you know, you look at WrestleMania 1, you look at all these other things that have come even after WrestleMania 3. But is this the, the most important most important match and and we'll say the Vince McMahon era because some people who are historians like us might be, you know, Bruno beating, you know, gorgeous George back then, you know, I'm not a buddy rock, you know, I'm not going back far, but in Vince McMahon era, is this the most important match in his, in his time? I, I truly think so, you know, and I, I honestly think he would say that Vince McMahon will say that as well, because it, it, one, it, we talked. You talked about you know Hogan beating Iron Sheik and becoming champion. That was a big deal, right? But beating Andre the Giant, which was something that nobody did, you know, he was undefeated coming into to this match with Hogan. And and you were talking about like the territory stuff and how you know Vince McMahon's father would like let like almost like rent him to these other territories. Even those territories, the champion wasn't beating him. They were just going in there and they just. You know, they would rock them a little bit and get their hits off. And that was like a big deal. But he would still win those matches, right? He was going to all these places and winning all these matches. But, you know, for here, like for 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 Vince McMahon, Andre the Giant, to let Hogan kind of go over and beat Andre the Giant and put wrestling on another stratosphere, put Hulk Hogan on another stratosphere, and putting him, again, where we were just talking about Andre the Giant at that other global you know, like megastar type of type of area type of tier is it was a big deal. And that kind of he and again, what Vince McMahon did was like have Hulk Hogan carry wrestling for the next whatever amount of years. So I think, yes, I think it was one of the most important. It was the most important match in Vince McMahon's career. But then also, like you think about that WrestleMania and, and what is it, 93,000? It was a record for, yeah. you know, for an indoor event. You know, we talk about that. You talk about the pay-per-view numbers. It, it was 
again, I was a little kid. I was a really little kid. And I'm just looking at this whole crowd and I was just like, oh my God, like this is like the craziest thing I've ever seen. Because before football, before basketball, baseball, well, maybe not baseball, before all these other sports, it was wrestling and we were watching wrestling. And that's this match again, like it, it was it was a big, big deal. Yeah, and I think for me, I'm I say yes because the importance of WrestleMania one was huge. To get right. that, it, it got, you know, the MTV, you know, the the rock and wrestling connection. Uh Vince McMahon, the McMahon family put everything on the line for WrestleMania one. You had Liberace, Ali, Billy Martin. So I, I don't Mr. T was Mr. that no, that was yeah, yeah was Mr. T. No, Mr. Mr. T. T. Yeah, so and that, that's part of it, you know, for me, why I I say WrestleMania one is, is such a big monumental thing, but I put this one ahead because WrestleMania one was at Madison Square Garden, which is the world's most famous arena. But I look at it like twofold. A, if you kind of watch the hype going into WrestleMania one, it's Mr. T is a big Mr. T is kind of the lead guy over Hogan, yeah. even. And Mr. T was a huge deal. You know, the A team was a top ten show, so I get it. But it was still you had an outsider leading the charge. Which bothered a lot of those wrestlers. Especially yeah. Roddy Piper. Orndorf. Especially Roddy Piper. And, and, and Mr. T didn't do anybody any favors either. He, you know, I love Mr. T, but he came in a little, like, cocky and yeah, stuff. Yeah, came in hot, yeah. So that didn't help. But those guys, that that was it. Defending the business, defending the wrestling business was huge. So I look at it, though. WrestleMania one and then two was in those three, you know, three different locations, those small arenas. But WrestleMania three, like you said, 93,000 Pontiac Silverdome that set the stage, you know, for what WrestleMania is today. Where if you get WrestleMania in your city now, it's like getting the Super Bowl to your city. It's yeah. a week long event. So many people come in, you know, your city, the economy is booming from it. It's one of those things that you're bidding on to compete for. That doesn't happen without WrestleMania three and seeing what it did. And and also it wasn't, you know, you had celebrities there. You had Bob Uecker and Aretha Franklin, but the headliners were two wrestlers. That's what brought 93,000 to Pontiac Silverdome, Hogan and Andre, not, not a celebrity in that main event. So I, I look at it as to me that this is not the best. In yeah. fact, some may say in the Vince McMahon, one of the best matches ever was the match before this. Absolutely. With Steamboat, Absolutely. Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, and Macho Man Randy Savage. So we'll get into why it's not the best match, but the biggest no. and, and most important in the McMahon era, of or Vincent Kennedy McMahon era, I, I think is, is the main event of WrestleMania three. Right, and and with it being in the Superdome and that them selling out the Superdome, and again, it was over ninety three thousand. It gave it like some credibility as well, like some like a different credibility. And it wasn't like this big fake show. It was just a huge deal, and it was showing how how many wrestling fans there are out there. And again, like that just catapulted it to. It was in every household at this point, you know what I mean? Like, and everybody was watching it, and and wrestling is a thing that you don't have to be a sports fan to, to watch, you know, like you can, I remember my dad, I used to, that's the only thing I watched with my dad. You know what I mean? Like what was wrestling. We would watch it all the time. Talking about Saturday night main event, man. I, I used to sometimes struggle staying up for it and I would fall asleep. I would be so mad the next day. Right. Cause 
that w- it wasn't on. It was like you mentioned. It was wasn't on pay per view. It wasn't even on cable. You know what I mean? Like, and it, it was like that was like the big event for you if you couldn't afford like a pay per view event or something like that. So no, I, I I'm a hundred percent there with you, Jeremy. Like I, I think this was the most important match, uh, maybe of all time. I don't I don't know. No, and it's huge, and it it took all these factors, and a big factor was the passing of the torch. Yep. And I think Vince McMahon knew, for a lot of reasons, that as Hulk was getting hot and he was becoming a star, and becoming a superstar, but it needed that passing of the torch. It needed to combine everything. And wrestling has a lot of those moments where you want to pass that torch to the new person. And I think he knew that the business needed that, but he also knew at this time, you know, Andre's health was failing. Andre's body was, you know, that acromegaly Andre never got the surgery for it. His body starting to break down and, you know, Andre was filming The Princess Bride. Great movie. Andre's great in that. Yeah, yeah. You know, but, um, you know, Vince reaches out to him and Andre pretty much said, I'm done, boss. And not just meaning he's done with wrestling. People say he was saying he was done with life. He Andre knew he did not, by not getting this surgery, by not, you know, his body, he, he didn't have a long time to live. Right. What the doctors tell him, like, he won't, maybe he won't live to 40, something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's it's something crazy like that. Yeah, which is weird because until the documentary that uh, Jason Ayer and you know Bill Simmons produced it for HBO a few years ago, I thought it's a great documentary, Andre the Giant. So you can watch that on HBO Max or it's even on Peacock on for the WWE Network. Um, I was under the impression that they didn't have like medical advances weren't there yet to do the surgery in the time of the seventies or early eighties to help Andre, not to a documentary that I know that, Oh, they were, he could have gotten the surgery done in back in the early eighties, but chose not to do it. Yeah. Yeah. He, but he, I think, I think his line was, you know, he just wanted to use what God, what God gave him. And, and it wasn't like the surgery was going to reverse anything. It was just going to kind of like keep him like maintain where he was at. And, you know, it, it, it's sad, you know, because, again, he could have possibly lived a little longer. I mean, we who knows, right? Um, um, well, but, Big Show, you look at Big Show yeah. in the current day, he had acromegaly, and he got this. He went to, I think, Mayo Clinic. He got the surgery. You know what I mean? Yeah. And smart. I mean, I would have done it, too, you know. And we all – and Big Show is a big dude, you know what I mean? Like, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad he did, right? But, again, like – he, he chose not to Andre Andre chose not to do it. And, you know, and you can, when we look at this match, you'll see he's really struggling in this match, you know, getting up and, you know, like Jeremy mentioned, this isn't the best match in the world. Um, you know, there are not too many moves happening. Like it, it's just there, you know, we're, they're carrying Andre along and, you know, he knew the importance of this match. And that's what you mentioned there. me, you know, he, he agreed to do it. No, and I honestly think it's sad, and I wish – and I, you don't know. You don't know if someone – maybe people did try to talk to him. If you know Andre's story, you know, he's from France, grew up in, like, the countryside, and part of me thinks it was just ignorance yeah. and not understanding – you know, I'm not saying Andre wasn't intelligent, but just didn't – there's ignorance there that 
he kind of thought, oh, this would affect his body, but then affect him as a wrestler. And really it would have gave him a longer time as a wrestler and longer life, you know, but I feel like I kind of wish, and like I said, I don't know if those close to him did try to convince him and he just didn't listen or what the case may be or, you know, but I, uh, I feel like that's the sad part. I think it was like a, a lack. He he didn't under because yeah, like you said, the, the clip show. I'll, I'll use what God made me, and it's like they're not like they're not like doing. They're not like taking like something yeah, away you're not from losing me. anything. Yeah, man. but I think he didn't understand that, and you know, so it's a it, it was it's a shame, but and it's a shame that this is really he he continues, but this is the swan song, honestly, for Andre the Giant. Yeah, and, and again, it was sad, right? Because if you look at him early on, you know, in his career, he's not just some real big dude that, you know, is just choking you and, you know, and slapping you across the chest. No, he was uh, he was slim. He was very athletic. You know, he was jumping off the top, like not the top rope, but at least the second, you know, mm-hmm. rope. He was jumping off there. And to be 350, 375 plus doing that, you got to be super athletic. And he he was, and if you get a you get an opportunity, watch the documentary because it it really it'll show you it'll show you clips it'll show you pictures of him how he looked back in the day and you know it, it is sad because again like a lot of I'll say for me like that was my vision of him like this big you know big fat dude you know with the black wrestling gear you know what I mean and and tech, he was not like that his whole career and again he was a very good athlete but you know he was getting older at this point he was older and he was he was drinking a lot and eating a lot right because that's that's what a lot of people do and yeah, it's finally started to catch up on him no nah, the, the stories are legendary and, and it's the truth yeah. um you know you have to remember you do, you just have the three network you don't have cable you don't have all like all the movies and everything so the seat now you know we're used to seeing in a weird way it sounds crazy to say it but seven footers or tall, like the world's smaller. We're connected more so we can see that. But at the time, someone who was, I mean, he's billed at seven, four, but realistically seven feet. Yeah. You know, a 400 pound guy and, and was like, you know, a great athlete and wasn't someone who trained. He didn't like, you know, he was just naturally that strong, naturally could move and naturally a great entertainer. Yep. You know, Andre the Giant, like you said, because people think, oh, like, it's just easy. Him being big, that's the gimmick right there. But he had to make people believe, like you said earlier, going to different territories. He would make it look like that hometown guy actually has a chance to win and beat yeah, him. Yeah, it was kicking his ass. Yeah. yeah. And, like, people felt for him or whatever. And then Andre would get always obviously get the win. So, like, he was sports entertainment on a bigger on the global level before sports entertainment, like Andre the giant was that. So we can't take that away from him at all. Like how important that was, but you know, fast forward into the, you know, 86 Vince is looking at him and saying, Hey, like, let's do this. You know, you go get that back surgery, which Andre had to go get back surgery. And then Vince McMahon actually pushed and put Andre through for the first time, really, a workout regimen to get him ready for WrestleMania three. Yeah. And he, I know he broke his ankle like years before that too. And people were saying like that started 
like the downfall there, like because of that big of a dude having have an ankle injury, like it, it's a big deal. And he pushed that injury off for a long time, you know, and that just goes to show again, like I think it goes to show that that ignorance you were talking about, you know, from just, you know, being a country person and stuff like that. Like he doesn't even want to go to the doctor, none of that old school stuff that we hear a lot from like our parents and stuff like that. And which probably could have extended his career as well. Right. But, um, you know, his fear was always, he wouldn't be able to wrestle. You know, that was, that was his life. Right. Like, and, and you mentioned there, I mean, like he, one, he was intelligent because he knew the business. He knew what to do. He knew how to sell things. He knew how to sell wrestlers. Um, he knew how to play the crowd. Like he was, he knew all of that stuff. People just think, like you said, like he was just some big dumb jock and, and that wasn't the case. He knew what he was doing out there and he let a lot of guys, he let these wrestlers, he helped them out and made them look good for the business. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't, it wasn't for him. It was for wrestling as a whole. Right. So the, the key was, you know, let you look at it and how to, how to book this match, how to book WrestleMania three was what you had to do on camera, but off camera. So off camera, you had to get Andre, you know, in shape and, and be ready to last for at least a little while for that main event and to kind of get, so, you know, so Vince, Andre would go to Vince's house in Connecticut. It's the first time he's, it was just crazy using weights and, and kind of going on a treadmill, but then on camera, it, how, how do you make Andre be a heel, be a bad guy, which, you know, everyone was used to Andre's this great guy. He's so beloved, the gentle giant. You had to then flip it. And the, the key was you pair him with the greatest manager of all time, Bobby, the brain Heenan, and right. let that be the mouthpiece. And that right there would kind of flip it and put Andre, everyone kind of anti Andre and go, you know, root for Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was great. And he didn't want to be the heel, you know, and you would talk about how we were always looked at him as like this gentle giant. He was always a good guy and, you know, always playing to the crowd. And this was something he did not want to do, you know, but again, like to sell the, to help, to help the business, he, he was doing it. And then for me, one of them, another iconic moment that was kind of with this match as well was that Piper's Pit, you know, interview and with them selling it there in Piper's Pit. And, you know, if you don't, if you don't remember that, it's just a, like a, a segment that Roddy Roddy Piper had and he would come bring wrestlers on. He had a bunch of iconic moments in, in, at the Piper's Pit. But, you know, with, with Andre the Giant coming out and turning heel, it happened there. And it was it was a big deal there. I mean, like, I, I would never forget that. And it almost made me cry, right, because I was such a little kid and, what he was doing to Hulk Hogan and Hulk Hogan sold it big time. You know, he looked like he was crying. Well, he did like drop a tear, a little fake tear. He had and, the Vaseline and check it, the Vaseline yeah, in the eye. Right. And, and which helped him like shed that tear. But that was for me, that was another moment there where it was like, you know, this match is now it's like, it's on, it's like a huge deal. And that Piper's pit moment for me was, was pretty iconic as well. It's iconic because like you said, Piper's pit, at that time, you didn't see wrestlers have these segments like that, you yeah. know. So Piper's pit, you knew something was going to go because that's who Roddy Piper was. But then Piper brings out, you know, uh, Hogan. It's, it starts with Piper and Jesse the Body Ventura. Another great one. A great, great heel announcer, that that heel yeah. announcer. Um, 
So Hogan comes out, and then Jesse Ventura says he's got he introduces Andre the Giant, but then you have him come out with Bobby the Brain Heenan, who you have to you know people people look at now. I guess like managers are kind of a dying breed yeah. in wrestling now. So you have you know Paul Heyman who says he's an advocate, doesn't even go by manager, but like you know when managers were a big deal for a long time in wrestling, a lot of them give it to Bobby. Heenan and you know that Heenan family if you were there if you were part of his stable you had automatic heat and the fans were against you and Bobby the Brain Heenan I think is the greatest manager ever one of the you know his just fast just comebacks and whips great lines I mean when you look at like another great show was that primetime wrestling with him and Gorilla Monsoon yeah you know that's one of the greatest pairings ever that that duo is is legendary and Bobby the Brain Heenan had that kind of heat that that's kind of what did it for Andre right there, him coming out with him. But then, like you said, him ripping that cross, you know, the shirt and the cross the off shirt of Hogan. And the cross. Yeah. And making him bleed, you know, and, and Hogan was selling it. And then let me ask you this, though, because Piper, I've seen clip and God rest his soul, Roddy Piper. But in like documentaries later on, talking about like, it had to say, I had to make it sell, so I just say, you know, you're bleeding, you're bleeding, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, you really need to do all that. Like, it wasn't yeah. really that, but like, you know, but yeah. like, and he's like, he makes it seem like that was so important. I had to say, you're bleeding, and I'm like, nah, I, I think him ripping him and jerking him around like that kind of everyone understood what what was happening there, Hot Rob. Yeah, but. yeah, I loved Piper too. I he was he was great. Um, but yeah, when when he did that, and it was just like the look he had on his face, and he just looked—I'm talking about Andre the Giant—he looked scary, man, you know. And and Hogan, like Hogan, really sold it too. I, I'll give him a lot of credit there. Like you know, he was selling it to the crowd and playing like, "What are you doing?" Like you know what I'm saying? Like you're a good guy, and all these fans love you. And and when he ripped that shirt, I was just like, "Oh my god!" Like and Hogan was like on one knee, like. Uh-huh. It, it was so great. It was great all around. You know what I'm saying? Like, but again, like it just added to what was to come in WrestleMania three, where you, that moment there, you had to watch that match. It was like, Oh my God, Andre turned heel. It's going against Hogan. Andre's never lost. Hogan's a champion. Like what, what are we going to see? And you, it was just, it made it must watch TV. Yeah. And the truth is, for the storyline, it was like, oh, this, all these things never happened. In reality, they had wrestled each other plenty of times before in other yeah. places throughout the country. Wrestled with, wrestled, you know, together. And in, in reality, Andre had lost. But with the advent of cable television and going those regional stuff, not everyone knew that. Not everyone could see Hogan and Andre wrestle in you know new orleans years earlier or wrestling a shea stadium match like that was regional so now you could go by that storyline and that's the thing about pro wrestling it's a combination of it it's a combination of the story it's a combination of how it's booked and how it's hyped up and then it's a combination of like the match that's what makes it people are like how do you like you know it's yeah we know it's predetermined like that's been known for years but it's still like that emotion, that storyline, these characters. And if you can nail that character and yeah. nail like all these, like, you know, 
you, you drive on that, that it's the theater, it's, it's physical yep. theater in front of you. And, and that's what I think makes this awesome is how well booked it was. And it was yeah. that good versus evil. Right. And, and I, I've argued with so, with so many times with people about wrestling, about it being fake and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, it's like you said, it's predetermined, but you know, let me power bomb you like on, on this, on this bed or something. You let me know how fake that is, you know, and you know, the, the physical toll that, that this stuff takes on these guys, it, I mean, it, it's been documented and, and, you know, definitely you hear all the stories and stuff working 300 nights a year. Like it's no joke. You know what I'm saying? Like what they do to their bodies. And so even though I know it's fake to me, it's a hundred percent real. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that's what my head is always at. Like, no, this is real. Like, yeah. and, and you talked about like these guys selling the characters and, you know, who wouldn't want to be like Ric Flair, right? Like, you know, have the money, the looks, all the women, like, you, you play towards that, right? And then you play to like the strong Lex Luger looking guy or or Rick Rude with these great bodies, right? Like these they're like physical specimens. Like who wouldn't want that? You know what I'm saying? So you have that, like you have that those fans like clamoring for that, right? And then you and the women too, like mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And you have guys like Hulk Hogan who are telling us to, you know, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, they're good American heroes. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you have those and that's gonna grab another audience like they it, it can get in so many different angles all these different type of fans that you know if you have a bunch of guys selling those characters really well man no wonder you can put ninety three thousand in, in in the silver dome absolutely and, and you're right you get you get the you know just like in pro sport but really even on a greater scale in some ways i think know, so um you're living vicarious because you mentioned, you know, Ric right. Flair, you want to be like them, uh, Hogan, and the, he's the great American hero, uh, Dusty Rhodes, he's the common man. You relate to it, yeah, Dusty, yeah. you know, he's that average Joe and you go to it. You you look at, especially being WWE Northeast base, the racial lines mm-hmm. where you can look throughout times, you know, with Italian wrestlers and Hispanic wrestlers and different, you know, genre, you know, different background, cultural, that also brought it especially in this region of the Northeast. So all those things is why people connected with it. And, you know, especially in this time where kayfabe, you know, which is like, don't sell that. Hey, it's predetermined. It's still going on back here in the eighties. So it's really, you know, good guys dressed together in the good guy locker room, bad guys, locker room, good guys are supposed to travel with good guys, bad guys travel with bad guys. So it's really that fandom of like, hey, I have to watch. I have to go if it's in my town because my hero, my guy, he needs me. He needs me to root for him. Right. That's what you felt. Like, and it, it's that powerful. It is. And, you know, and especially when it's kids, too, like as both of us probably can can speak to. But, you know, as a kid, like I, I believed all of that stuff, man. You know what I mean? Like, and, and again, because. This, you know, like you have like, you know, Saturday mornings, I was young and watching wrestling and it wasn't like good matches, but it was wrestling was on. Right. And I would watch that and you would see like storylines building there. And but like you mentioned, like we were talking about like Hogan and, you know, the way he was talking and all adamant and macho man doing his thing. Like, I I believed it all. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I did and I was all in on it. And I know some kids 
dope. Like, you know what I mean? Like the junkyard dog. Like I believe that Jake the snake, I thought he was going to really have that snake biting people. And like, I, I just, I loved it, dude. Like it had me from an early age. I was jump. We were making fake belts and jumping on. Like I, we were doing crazy stuff because of wrestling, man. And it, it's, it's, if they can sell the character, man, it, it gets people, you know, and I, I'm foolproof of that. Like it, it had me hook, line and sinker. So, you know, wrestling again, for me was, it was a big, I know it was for you, Jeremy, but the ability for these guys to sell these characters and really get these fans going crazy. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome to be honest. It, it is awesome. It, it, and it's, it's, it takes a lot. I think that's what people, I, I kind of equate it. You know, it's like you, I think in pro sport, but really it's on that level of Star Trek, Star Wars, Marvel, yeah. Comet. Like it's kind of it's that like really what it is. And that hits kids and adults, that fandom. Yep. And wrestling has the same thing where it's like these story and when it's executed well, you know, in Star Wars, there were some swerves, you know, Darth Vader being Luke Skywalker's dad. Back in 1980, Empire Strikes Back, what the hell? That, like, rocked people's, like, cores. Yeah. You know what I mean? But in the end, you knew good guys were going to win. But still, a lot of times we know in these stories, good guys are going to win. There might be a swerve here or there. But we know. But it doesn't matter. It's how you deliver it, that emotion, that storytelling. And that's what it is. You know, it, it's physical storytelling. Right, and, and then you get that moment where it's like, wait a minute, like this bad guy might win, and then oh no, no, it doesn't. The good guy pulls it out at the end, and that's like when they have these fans at the edge of their seat, like, oh, this is it, this is it. No, it's not. Like, you know, champion again. No, so we we look at it. So that's what had to happen, you know, on camera for it to really work and sell it. But I think the fascinating thing, which you. I had heard stories of, but I think the documentary, the Andre the Giant doc really detailed it was, you know, that whole, it was a combination of like Andre messing with Hogan and not letting him know if he was going, you know, because Hogan had respect for Andre and, you know, wrestling has these kind of, just like baseball, these like unwritten codes. So when you're like on Andre's level, you don't, you know, you're not supposed to just ask him, are you going to put me over? Which means, are you going to let me win? Right. You know, you don't ask that, but then you're kind of wondering, like, because Andre was that big and powerful, even though he's banged up, if he didn't want to go along with a storyline, who the hell's making him? So, yeah. you know, it was it was a weird thing like that. Um, so I think it was fascinating filmmaking to watch that doc and hear Hogan's perspective. And that when they finally get to Detroit, you know, a night or two before the you know, WrestleMania three, him going to Vince McMahon and being like, what's the what's the game plan here? And, you know, him writing out on the yellow legal pad, the match, you know, blow by blow, pretty much. Yeah, it, that was pretty cool. Like, I, I didn't know that either, obviously. And, you know, I, I didn't know like Hulk Hogan had that big of an influence to do stuff like that. Now, I know he was a big deal. Like, don't get me wrong, but. For him to write out that entire match, and, and they were showing it too, like you know, the, with the the paper and stuff, and it was pretty cool. And for Andre to even go with it, you know, I I thought sp- spoke a lot about him because he could have been like, no, I don't want it this way. I want this and this and that. And but I think he also knew 
Uh, I mean, we talked about it. He was done, but I think he was just like, cool. Like, let's just get this thing over with and, um, and we can move on. I can move on with my life and stuff like that. Because again, like at the time, you know, not too many people knocked, well, you know, in WWF, not too many people knocked him down. Definitely nobody slammed him. You know what I mean? Like, and that was all like just a big part of what was coming for this match. Not that we knew that, but obviously behind the scenes, they, they talking about that. And, you know, I, I love that story that Andre was kind of like jerking Hogan a little bit. And, you know, cause it was, there was other stories where guys would come talk to him and he's in the locker room playing cards and he's just like yelling at them to get out. And mm-hmm. he wouldn't tell them, you know what I'm saying? Anything until like maybe mid match or something. But I thought that was pretty cool also in the documentary, but yeah, that was a great story. And, and I, the way it played out was obviously perfect. Yeah, you, uh, Andre, they, he, he got he was called the boss, and he yeah. was the boss because he, you know, like I said, people don't get it twisted. Andre was smart; he was savvy. So the negotiations for this match, it wasn't Hogan. You knew what Hogan was; it was Andre. So Andre, you know, he was a big factor in pro wrestling. When he went into a town, you better have the wine all ready, cooled, and the cases, chilled. the cases of wine. The beers, all the alcohol, have that ready and have it good to his liking. And if you crossed Andre, you know, Jose, you referenced it, you know, there's stories, you know, you could tell who I, you could watch the matches and see yeah. like Andre couldn't stand Macho Man, Randy Savage, couldn't stand the Iron Sheik. Like the guys he didn't like, you could be Big John Studd. Big John, he did not like Big John Studd. No, he did not. No, he didn't like these guys. And it was going to be a long night for you if you had to wrestle Andre and you got under his skin. You annoyed him. So it, it was a lot of – but, yeah, I, I think it's great. It was a lot of, like, you know, um, a lot of tension, wanting to make everything right, and a lot's riding on it. 93,000 and WrestleMania three. all these car, all these events, you know – a whole – the whole – every match makes a great event. But there's that, you know, now you could maybe say there's one or two. There's a Sometimes now with WrestleMania or these big events, there's like kind of like a co-main event. But yeah. that main event is what is bringing people in. You got to have those undercard matches that excite the people. But if that main event isn't there, you're not going to get that huge crowd. So right. there's a lot of pressure under that to see is this going to go over well because uh, – a lot was riding, and you didn't want not over ninety thousand people being pissed off at you, right? And being disappointed because, again, like if that were the case, who knows what happens to wrestling at, at that point, right? And you know, not just for WWF at the time, but you had, you know, I'm trying to remember if it was NWA or WCW at that time. They're all um, still ar- around, they, kind of, right? Like, right? They, yeah, they're also kind of around. Right. So even like for all these territories as well, like it, it was big for them, right? Because they just propelled all of wrestling to another level and it just made it kind of like mainstream and super important in our lives, right? It, it, I think it, honestly in my in my family and not just my media family, but it was up there with football and basketball and, you know, definitely before hockey, but at that time in my life. But, you know, baseball was always king. But I, it was wrestling number two, man. And, you know, again, it, it was all due to, like you mentioned, like having these big time main events, building them up 
and then those main events not disappointing either was was important absolutely so i think you know we're ready we're going to do the rewatch of uh hogan versus andre wrestlemania 3 you know it's crazy that this past march 35 years of this match um it, it, time flies but it, it's just such a huge huge deal and, and it it it's you get some of the most iconic lines some of the most iconic moments in 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 wrestling but in pop culture history you know from right. this match oh yeah yeah and it, it was gorilla monsoon jesse the body on the call which is probably one of the best duos of all time so it, it was it was some some good stuff, man. There we go, Jeremy. Man, this crowd's going nuts. And that line right there, Gorilla Monsoon, the irresistible force meeting the immovable object. That's it's that's a legendary line in wrestling history. Yeah, yeah. Look at the look at the stain on the face of Andre. And you see it, uh, Hogan's probably at this point, you know, he's built at six eight, but I think he's probably legit six six, six seven, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's, he's he doesn't look at next to the giant. No, Andre's legit, probably seven feet. Right here, almost lost it. I was like, oh no. Mm-hmm. The. Uh, was that two or was that three? Two count and that's part of it. That was a close. That was all written in there to make the that that the two punches. Andre blocks the third, falls on Hogan, and it's like, is it was it three? You know that that gets used later in the in the main event. You know, like a year later between uh or maybe later in '87 with Hogan and Andre. So it's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, and it, it just gave. Like that, just the slam and trying to slam Andre, like that big of like, like holy shit, like there's no way he's gonna be able to do that. Look, he just tried it. Look what happened. And wrestlers had slammed, you know, Andre before. You know, Iron Sheik. I mean, not Iron Sheik. Um, Harley Race had slammed him. Hogan had slammed Andre back. You know, but for storyline, it was said that no one had ever done it, but it had been done. Not too many people, but a few had. You know, and on for Andre, that was a sign of respect. If he let you, because you're not you're not just picking up four fifty to five hundred pounds just willy nilly. If he doesn't let you slam him, you're not slamming. Right, right. And as you can see, like you know, kind of what we were talking about. You know, he's not moving like you know really well. You know, he's kind of just standing there doing a few moves here and there, and it, you know, it, it, it was looking at the time I had no idea, but looking back and looking at this even now, it's like man, you feel for him. You know what I'm saying? Like this great career, and, you know, he's at this point of it, like barely being able to move and get up and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's role reversal because Hogan is a big power guy, but he really is doing the work. He's the workhorse in this match where. You, if you watch it, you know, if you're watching with us or, if you know, just on your own, you, you're seeing Hogan's the one, you know, he's putting his hand on that leg, making it easier for Andre to pick him up. Andre has to use the ropes a lot, you know. He, he really should not be in here, honestly. Andre should not be in this match. Yeah, Hogan sold this really well, you know, like 
giving him these breaks and stuff like that. And, you know, like Andre just kind of just let him, Andre just stand there. And, you know, it's Hogan, Hogan does a good job here. Dang, he picked him up by his, by his draws. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the, uh, the referee in this match is Joey Morella. And that's Gorilla Monsoon's son, his real life son. And, nice uh, a little, little tidbit. Yeah. And, uh, well, Joey Morella's important in wrestling history because Fourth of July '94, he's driving home with. Uh, remember downtown Bruno? Yeah. They're driving together in the car after an event, and they wind up getting into a tragic accident, and Joey Morella winds up dying in that car accident, and um, which led to rules in wrestling about like. Hey, don't just drive throughout. Because back in the day, you just drove and drove to got to the next town. So then it became, you know, having to drive with someone as a rule. And unless everyone felt like they were okay to go, like you pull over, you you don't make that drive. So tragically, he winds up passing away, you know, in 94, which really uh, a lot of people say that took Gorilla. That's what started Gorilla Monsoon going downhill to his death was Joey passing away. Right, because you hear stories of guys, wrestlers, you know, talking about driving 600 miles, like, you know what I mean, like, to make 10 bucks, 20 bucks, mm -hmm. but they were just wanting that experience and stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. This still gets me, like, gets me goosebumps, man. Like, No, he can sell it, you know, you, you just... The charisma of Hogan is just unbelievable. Yeah. There's some good chops too, man. Yeah, he's trying. He's got to make it believable. He's giving it to him there, man. But you just see, you know, Hogan's doing the work. Andre's constantly on the ropes in a corner because his back, he's wearing a brace underneath his singlet. You know, he's in that much pain. Yeah, now he gets the break. You know what I mean? Look at the pain. You can just look at Andre is in pain. Yeah. Even though according to the match, he just kicked you at but the big boot to Hogan. You can just see he's struggling. Yeah. Because later on, he tries it again and kicks him like in the stomach. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like you can tell he doesn't even couldn't even get the leg up. He's giving these chops back to him, though. Mm -hmm. And if you're listening on the podcast, man, you can probably hear those chops. Those smacking his chest. And you see with the bear hug, Hogan says, you know, usually the bear hug, you kind of like let the guy pick you up and throw you around because Andre was in so much pain. Hogan's always standing straight up so Andre doesn't have to put a lot of pressure. He's going on his tippy toes. So he's really trying to help Andre. Like he's really, you know, out of respect for Andre and respect for also like your fellow, you know, it, it's a dance in the, it's a, you know, three person dance. That's why I mentioned Joey Morella. The referee's important too. And you all have to be, you know, working together to make it work, you know? So it, it's important to see that Hogan standing up straight so that Andre's injuries don't get in the way. Cause that's really the, one of the big factors in it. You don't want Andre to, to really damage something, and then you can't continue the match. 
right and that was their fear right like something happens to his back or something you can even see like you know and again if you're listening to on the podcast like andre the giant is pretty much leaning on hogan you know what i mean like and he's got his arms around his back and he just got his head on his chest and it's more of like you know him leaning on on hogan trying to give him his bear hug and anything else yeah this used to be my favorite part here man like the dude's almost sleeping and he's the arm like oh yeah i loved it that's the thing man people knock hogan and because he didn't have a lot of art moves in the arsenal but he didn't need it he sold it he was just charisma personified you know yeah. there's just something about the the red and yellow it, it, it hooks people yeah. There he goes out. Got to check on him. Yep. Joey Joey Morello. Check check that right raising the arm. Drops down. It's one. He's out. Hogan's out. <laughs> Dude, this is great. Look at that. This bear hug. See, this is like the main part of like. The, the good meat of the match is this bear hug. Yeah, he's, he's man. You can, I feel bad for Andre the Giant. Man. Yeah, he he really shouldn't have been like you know. It, it, he knew what he was. I, sometimes I wonder like. I mean, he didn't do anything he didn't want to do. And I heard the, the payday he got for this was phenomenal. It was huge. But still, like, yeah, sometimes I, I would go back with my, my brother and I. would be like, Should, was Vince wrong for asking Andre to do this? Like, knowing how bad his shape. Like, I go back and forth sometimes because he, he's just, he's in bad shape here. Yeah. I, I give him a ton of respect, though. He, he battled, he's battling through. Well, he, and he knew like this was how big of an event, big of a moment, and also how important it was to send the business to the next level to pass that torch. This had to happen. Yeah, yeah, and I think that I think that kind of like would push guys like. You know, like that, give him that adrenaline to 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 get through this. Cause it, it was bigger than him. You know, Absolutely. what I'm saying? Like, you got grown men yelling. Like, you know, what I'm saying? Like this this wrestling stuff. Is, it it, it took over. This was main event. Like it like it hit mainstream. It went everywhere. Where you know, everyone, Sports Illustrated, ESPN, they're talking about it. That didn't happen. Like we're used to that now. That wasn't happening back then. And even right here, Darren, I mean, this is like really sad for me. It's like he can barely get Hogan over this. He can't possibly get it. You know what I, I mean? Like, yeah. It's sad. And it was really weird. I, I don't know why they had Hogan take up like the, the padding on the outside. Like I, I don't know if that was him or what like someone else but like they told him to do it, but Kind of really, I thought was like a weird thing to have in the match. Yeah, because they didn't, you don't, they didn't do that no. at all back then. No, you see on the side, Bobby the Brain was all dressed in the white tux, 
Um, he was used a lot throughout the whole WrestleMania three event. And this is huge. Yeah. Him dropping Andre because according to storyline, you never saw Andre off his feet like that. So for him to, to knock him over, that was a big deal. And now the Hulkamaniacs are going crazy. He's hulking right. up. You got, you got to look at Hogan. And, you know, years later, he goes on Arsenio Hall and, like, denies steroid use. And sometimes it's just, man, you, you know, it just pays to be in that era. Look at this slam. Iconic. Yeah. Got him, man. Look at that leg drop. Huge moment for him, man. That's like, slam. I know, the, I, I know the Iron Sheik moment was, was huge, too. You know what I'm saying? Very emotional. But this here, this is a different level. This, this is Hogan's biggest moment. Yeah, his biggest moment. Um, I think of Hogan's two biggest moments. I I look at at this right here, and then I go to Bash at the Beach '96 when he turns you know heel and because the NWO starts. Those are you know he becomes Hollywood Hogan, which he was great. He was great. Look at Bob Uecker. Bob Uecker. Federation Heavyweight Champion. Hogan. Now you get the flex session. I gotta watch the flex session. <laughs> the music comes on at great '80s music. Where do you put Hogan's theme song at? Like, is that great? It's, it's top top ten. It's a great when you hear that 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 come on. Place the roof blew off, man. Mm-hmm. I don't care where it was at. Like, there's better songs, but it's just. Like the whole thing, I think it's a part of it, and you know, once you hear that, that especially that beginning, man, it was still song. What? What's your? What's your? What's your? If you got one theme song for a wrestler, you're on an island, you're going like one theme song. What's your number one? Man, that's tough. Um, the Undertaker. Wow, I didn't see that one coming. Undertaker for you. Yeah, like, and not that it's a great song, but it's a great when you song. Hear that, when you hear that bell, man, like it's, it's, that's that's a great one. That's a great one. It's tough, man, to pick one, but I think that one. What else? What else? What else is up there for you? Awesome Warriors was a good one. That's my one. Yeah, that, that was a good one. You know, Macho Man was, was good. I like that one. I, I never liked the pomp and circumstance. I, I wasn't into this pomp and circumstance too much. No. It fit him, and I get Miss Elizabeth, but I didn't like that one. Um, Ultimate Warrior is my number one. Uh, Stone Cold's. With that glass shattering, like that, like those that get you hype, like that. Um, the original like NWO, like, like the original, NWO, like not, not even Wolfpack had a good one, but NWO's is really good. And DX, DX had a like those that just get you, like, you're just ready, like, whether you're working out, you're ready to do something, like, 
you're tired. Those are those ones that get you just going. Like Ultimate Warrior couldn't do shit in the ring. <laughs> you know, was not a good wrestler at all. But that music, when that music, and him running down, like that would just, you just had to get going, man. Between that yeah. and then, and Stone Cold, that glass shattering, and it, it was always that pop when you would see like a raw, and then you never go, right in the crowd. They had that shot, the crowd just rises, like it just gets you going, man. Like, I, I, those are, yeah. Those are like the fun ones to me, honestly. Yeah, one one other also I think it's like underrated was was Triple H's when he was the the game like, and when it started off, you want to play the game like that, oh, yeah, that was yeah. another one for me too. Oh, like the the rock and roll one, like the yeah with yeah. Uh, what's that Lemmy from Motorhead? Uh, um, yeah, yeah, uh, Motor the guy did Motorhead. He 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 did that one. Yeah, that was a good Road, one. Road Warriors one was a good one too. Um, Oh, the what a rush! That one, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know who I like? John Cena's for the new people. I like John Cena's. Honestly, I do get down with his. I, I don't mind. Yeah, his. it's all right. It's all right. I don't have a problem with that one. <laughs> You're like not not one of your favorites. No, he's not. He's not. That one. Uh, Mark Henry had a good one. The the one that Three Six Mafia did. I, I like. I like that one. Um, Talk about DX. Road Dog and Billy Gunn was was a good one too, man. You not bad. Know. That's not bad. Yeah, yeah, that's not bad. You better call somebody. That's a good that one. That's my shit. That was that was a good one. That Attitude Era, man. I know this was iconic. Where we're talking about, you know, wrestling in the mid '80s, and it built what was to come. That WWE Attitude Era. Was my favorite time in wrestling. Yeah, and so that was a the second boom. But you know, uh, without without this match, you don't get that. Right. Um, and with to me, what this showed was that wrestling, pro wrestling, as a part of Americana, was here to stay. Yep. And even though you could look at it in a way, it always has been right pro wrestling, but it still was kind of like it. Like I said, it was regionalized, and it was also kind of like that. You know, if if you were a kid, it was okay. But if you were older, you kind of hit it. You didn't want people to know yeah. you liked wrestling. Right. And it was like, if you went to, like, work and you brought up, like, wrestling, it was like, what? Like, to from to me, from this match on, there was no going back where that was a part of the culture. And that was wherever you were at, in school, at work, on the bus, on the train, you could talk about pro wrestling talk about who's your favorite did you watch this match it it, it all it all kind of connected and, that, and i think that's right. what made this so important and so right huge. like you can wear the gear like you can get these t-shirts now and like wear them out it wasn't like that was the, not that i remember if that was a thing i i you know i can remember the hulkamania t-shirts the Roddy piper t-shirts i had my first one was a brutus the barber beefcake Oh, that was my first Brutus. T-shirt. I was I didn't buy it like I was young, Brutus. man. Like oh, Jose, that Brutus. was my first T-shirt. I remember, Brutus but the you know, just, just all the gear, the headbands, all that stuff. It was cool to do, man. Like, and it was just it was fun to do. And again, like if you're a grown man, I, I again, and then even at this era, I was a young kid. 
But even in that attitude era we were talking about in the, you know, NWO, I was in, I was a teenager and that was, that's why I think I, it, it got me so much again, because, you know, I, I understood now that it was, is it wasn't as real as I thought it was when I was a kid, but still like the character selling and, and the storylines and everything were so great that that didn't matter to me. It, it was allowing me to escape. And we talk about that therapy all the time on this show. It's like what the sports do for us. It allows us sometimes to escape reality for a little bit and what's going on in life, good or bad. Wrestling does, did that for me too. Like wrestling allowed me to watch Monday night, raw nitro flipping back and forth on those channels, just kind of hanging out with my little cousins and stuff. We were all big wrestling fans and, just watching that, having fun, doing the moves, like just just having a good time, man. And again, like that's it's sports entertainment. And it's the reason why sports is in there because again, it, it, it for me it allowed me to just kind of unwind and, and just forget about stuff for a little bit. Well, and also what I think people maybe don't realize who are on the outside looking in, and maybe some people who are on the inside, is you look at the you know hit wrestling history, especially you know, from the eighties to now wrestling is a good like representation of what is going on in our American society. So like yeah. you look at the eighties boom and you look at like, so you see Hogan say your prayers, eat your vitamin. And that kind of is a representation of what's going on in the culture of Reaganomics, you know, the people, Oh, you know, spin, spin, spin money, 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 capitalism, like on the rise again, commercializing, um, and, and just kind of that good versus evil, the storylines kind of like being like that, you know, I loved it, but the Cosby show is the number one show, you know, and it was kind of like, Hey, you can see, if you look at it now, you're like, how did you not see, you know, and that's like the eighties, the eighties for when I was growing up, like in the nineties, the eighties were still looked at as positive. Now people look at the eighties and go all the problems we have today how did you not see it back then? It's right in front of you. You know, I was going to say it in the match, but Hogan did the slam. How did, you know, how did we not, you look back, like, of course he's on steroids. Of course yeah. all those guys are juicing. But back then you just thought he's just taking his vitamins and he's working out and he's just strong. And he's just like, but it's like, of course he's huge. Look, like just how big, like that's not natural. So it's like the eighties kind of had that whole, Represented what like that decade was in the nineties, like the excess, like the excess, like yeah, yeah. It was just like when the nineties had the opposite, where it was that anti-establishment, that rebellious kind of thing, and and that's what the nineties kind of represent. You look at like from you know grunge to what was on TV and movies, it was a different thing, more risque, more blurring the lines. You get more of those anti-heroes where it's like the the good guys act like bad guys and right. you get that it, it, it was you know. it was a very thin gray line there yeah. between good and bad guys and yeah. you got that like from you know TV NYPD blue and the sopranos came out later uh you start getting the pulp fictions and independent film and it just was like the 90s represent that hip hop's growing and if you watch like the Monday Night War WCW and you know you see Tupac with the red bandana you could see Conan and Kevin Nash and they say they they were seeing West Coast, right. Death Row, and they were doing the same things and putting up the signs and all that stuff. Like, it was a mirror image of it. I think that's what's kind of fascinating to me. Yeah, and then even, even like, with the characters, and you were talking about, you know, in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s, you get 
guys like, you know, Million Dollar Man, right? Ted DiBiase, flashing money, and he's rich and filthy rich. You always had you always had that guy, right, in wrestling, in either one, if it was the two main ones, right, WCW and WWE. But you also had, like, you know, um, you got guys like Stone Cold, right? And you talked about anti-establishment and that blurry line of is he a good, like, guy or is he like a heel or a bad guy right and you know we don't know but we do feel like the way stone cold does like he doesn't give a shit and he's going to have beers and you know he's going to be drinking in the ring and a lot of people can relate to that and really feel that you know and then you you know you can flip it and you have guys like Shawn michaels who are heartthrobs and all the ladies love him and there's you know guys who want to be that you know what i'm saying so it wrestling does a great job of like playing to a lot of people's you know like hearts, you know what I'm saying? And then tugging on that, on those strings and, you know, those fantasy worlds, or I want to be that guy, you know, you can be that guy for a little bit in your mind watching, you know, wrestling for a little bit. Uh, Jose, I want to ask you this. So we're talking about, you know, you know, wrestling, but like, you know, Hogan, Andre, WrestleMania three, Pen- the eighties wrestling boom and all that. Now, you know, you look at who this was built on, it's Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon. Now, do you think one needed the other more to get this? Do you think Vince McMahon could have had this with another? You know, he has like, you know, he had the vision. And I'm not saying Hulk didn't have kind of a vision. He did have a vision, too. Right. Hulk was very business savvy. But do you think if Vince picked another guy, it, it, and I'm not even saying like it's just anyone off the street, but like if Vince would have picked Ric Flair, yeah, if Vince Macho picked Dusty Man Rhodes, yeah. like do you think like Vince had to have Hulk? Like, do you think like was Hulk more important to the equation or was it Vince? That's a tough one, man. But I do feel like Vince needed Hulk Hogan, you know, because you were talking about the charisma and all that. Like, yeah, he had other guys that he could have probably picked. You know, you could talk about you know, in the ring performers, there was a ton of guys he could have picked that were much better than Hulk Hogan. And we talked about that during the match, but say you pick Macho Man, he's not, I don't think he's, I know for a fact, he's not as media savvy as Hulk Hogan. You know, I've seen Macho Man like on Arsenio Hall and stuff like that, but I saw Hogan do all that first, you know what I mean? And Hogan knew what to say. And Hogan knew how to promote the industry. You know, Ric Flair was great. It's a great interview, you know, but I think even even over Ric Flair, that charisma and all that, like Hogan just Joe Hogan just had that. Hogan knew what to say. He had the look. He had the physique you were talking about. You know, and he, that good old American. That's always going to. That's always you're always going to be like popular if you do that. You know what I'm saying? Like it could be done today. It could have been done then. It could have been done in the '90s. Like people just love that shit and. Is you know, people just love that, you know what I'm saying? And America loves that. And I, I think Vince needed Hogan to put wrestling to where it's at. Now, would it have gotten here? Probably. It would have just taken a little longer, I feel like. And I just think Hogan was perfect for Vince and you know, and and Vince was perfect for Hogan. I, I think it's a it's a pair that you I don't know who's more important to be honest. I know again, you need the vision. Without the vision, there isn't anything else. But, you know, while the vision's there, you need a guy who can help push that vision for you. And I think Hogan was the perfect guy for that. 
Yeah, it's weird. I think the like you said, it, we get here anyway. I really do think that with just the way it was going with cable television and yeah, and, and capitalizing and, and the money that the eighties and the money starting to come on in. Somebody, you know, Vince would have done it with someone, but I do just think you couldn't have and and not just physically with Hogan. Not just a charisma, but also he had business savvy. A lot of those guys didn't want to work with a Mr. T. Like they didn't want in WrestleMania one. They were he's not a wrestler. He shouldn't be here. Hogan said, "Wait, you got arguably the biggest star or top three biggest stars on TV wanting to come on our 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 program and bring attention." Hogan saw the money. He was good with seeing the money train, and Hogan was like. A lot of times, you know, the, the champion before had to be a guy who was like, hey, you know, one can take the tie. He's this tough guy. He had to keep that image yeah. up. Hogan kind of stopped that and was like, I'm an entertainer. This is entertainment. Yeah. And, you know, and he saw that, you know, um, the fact that Hogan got back into WWF at the time was something else because back in 82 for, in, hey, Rocky three. You know, when Hogan's Thunderlips was, you know, and he's going up against Rocky, Sly Stallone, Vince McMahon's dad is technically still running it. And Vince McMahon's dad went to Hogan and was like, you know, you're not doing that acting stuff. You're not going, you know, to be in this mm-hmm. movie. And Hogan's like, hey, I, Mr. McMahon, I told you I'm doing this movie. I'm going to be away. And he's like, well, Terry, you're a, you're a wrestler, not an actor. You're booked in North Carolina. I expect you to be there. And then Hogan's like, I stood my ground. He stood his and said, if you do this, you're never going to be back here. And Hogan went and did it. And it, it kind of Hogan saw it even more than Vince's yep. dad. And then honestly, Vince's dad leaving and Vince coming in. Vince is like, I need this guy. Like yep. bring him back in here. Like it took. So Hogan, cause that, that kind of started it really. That was a big thing for, for Hogan to get that national stage was yeah. also being Thunderlips in Rocky Three. Yeah, and that just added to everything we've been talking about with Hogan, right? Like it it gave us a name, it gave us a face. Like it not only the now are we not seeing him just in the ring, now we're seeing him in a major movie. It wasn't like it was some little stuff. It was Rocky Three, you know, and we all know what Rocky's all about, right? So and his part was perfect in there, right? He was a big Monster dude, he was kicking Stallone's ass, he was kicking Rocky's ass, throws, throws him out the ring. Then at the end of it, it's just like a totally different character, and he's like super cool. And it just, again, it just led to like, holy shit, like this dude is everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, and not only he's in movies, now he's on my lunchbox, now he's on this, now he's on that. And, you know, it, it, it blew him up. And I, again, his vision also was very important to what became you know wwe and wwf and all that stuff and how how it blew up so we talked about vince's you know this is vince the son vince mcmahon's vision but i think paired with hogan's vision it, it was just a dynamite combination no absolutely absolutely and i think um 35 years this it, it so many other moments have come after in wrestling but I still think um, when you think most important match in, in WWE yeah. history, for me, it, it's going to be really hard to, to to top this as the most important one because this just set the stage. And, uh, like, a, you know, that body slam and, and that leg drop is iconic. That yeah. line by Monsoon, 
iconic and, and, and it'll last the test of time. So, you know, Hogan versus Andre. And, and I think people watch the Andre the Giant doc. It, it, if you haven't seen it, it, it's awesome. And I think the part about WrestleMania three toward the end is yeah. some of the best filmmaking, like the documentary filmmaking I've seen. It, it was really well done. Yeah, I, I loved it. And I remember we talked about this a long time ago. Um, it came out a few years ago, and, and that's one of my one of my one of my go tos. I I've been watching that a little before. I, I watch that's one I watch all the time, like often, a couple every like four or five months. I, I check that out, but. No, it, it it was a great documentary. This was this was fun though, Jeremy. I know we've been talking about this again. We talked about it back in March. You know, I know we've been trying to add some more to more wrestling stuff on the show. We will, um, but this one this one was fun to look back on and and talk about for sure. And hey, um, for those who, who like you know wanted big hyped up weekends for for back to back weekends back in nineteen eighty seven. You know, early spring. You had this weekend, WrestleMania three, Hogan versus Andre. The next weekend in eighty seven was Ray Leonard versus Hagler. Yeah. So to me, you know, if I could go back in the time machine, get that that whole DeLorean out, I would have been going crazy these weekends oh, yeah. for both of this stuff. So like it, it's a, uh, it's just crazy. And those are two huge events of that right, of, so of the eighties back to back weekends. Fun so. stuff, man, for sure. I man, like, but I, I can't wait to do this more, like with the wrestling stuff. We love doing obviously we love doing the show, obviously, about any topic, but you know, Jeremy, we wrestling is, is big for us. And I there's I know it is for a lot of like our, our listeners and folks who are watching us on YouTube. So, you know, we'll be looking forward to bringing you some more stuff. So people check this out. Um you can listen, you know, follow our podcast. Wherever you listen, bigger than the game with Jeremy and Jose. We're listening to podcasts. Like and subscribe to our YouTube channel with the same name, bigger than the game with Jeremy and Jose. You can follow us because we want to hear what you think. If you think right. that this match is overrated, uh, you think that this isn't the most important or the biggest match, you know, let us know. We want to hear. We want that debate. We want to hear that opinion. So uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at Bigger Game Pod. And on Instagram at Bigger Game Pod, let us know what you think about it. And also um, for wrestling or whatever, just some future topics you know that you want to hear. Like we love to hear that. So for the man, the myth, the legend, the heavyweight champion of the world, Jose Ruiz, I'm Jeremy Dove. Thank you guys for listening and watching Bigger Than the Game with Jeremy and Jose. Peace.